What's happening, everyone? The Rabona boys are back better than ever. We had to take a little bit of a break, but uh, we're coming back stronger and new and improved for season two starting right now. Yeah. I had to take a break for the holidays. Life's been happening. <laughs> and, there wasn't uh, too yeah, much going on December either, I feel like. it's January is the important stuff, right? So. Yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of things in life been happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're back. Uh, back at it, but let's get into it, man. Yeah. We got to start off season two the exact same way we started season one. And probably how we're going to start every season, I imagine. But the Rabona Boys Derby, man. <laughs> the the Arsenal, Arsenal Liverpool Classico. What? The, That's been one sided for like forever. But the 0 0 win or what? The the actual win that Liverpool. Which one of these games are you talking about? The, the, the win against Granite Xhaka. The win against Granite Xhaka for almost selling us out once again. Starting off where he left off too previous years. Let me talk about Arsenal real quick before we get to the Liverpool game. Let me let me let me let me back up a little bit, right? Because during this December period, it just so happened that Arsenal decided to start playing some of the best football in the entire league, and we're taking it to Man City, putting them on the back foot, losing to losing to shit referees, and you know paid off all that politics, but. Which ref are you talking about, Mike Dean? Oh my God, bro! It's it's all of them. I don't even. Is it, yeah, <laughs> it's literally all of them, bro. I don't yeah, want to start okay. talking about refs. They don't even deserve the time. But um, I gotta talk about Mikel Arteta, man. I've I feel like he's since his first day on the job, bro. He's been one of the most polarizing figures at this club and Arsenal in general. Like you say all the time, which is very true, is a very emotional club, right? When you put a polarizing figure yeah. in an emotional club, you constantly, constantly have this fighting between the fans of, oh, you're not, you're an idiot because you're Arteta and you're an idiot, you're Arteta, blah, blah, blah. we need proper managers. I, I was always, I don't know, as from the very start, I was like, really, I liked what I was seeing from Arteta in the FA Cup and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously I reached a point this season where I was like, enough's enough, like, or it was more so like at last season, I guess, and the fact we're finishing eighth two years in a row. And and the biggest point for me was this Antonio Conte acquisition for Spurs because that's when I really started to have this conversation in my head of meant the real like importance of a world-class manager, right? Because I can see certain things that Arteta is doing right at times, but then you look at what Conte is doing over there at Spurs and it's just instant transition into like stopping the flooding all of a sudden they're rising up they're going undefeated for 10 games or whatever so those are the kind of things I need to see from a manager right if I'm gonna back them and I wasn't seeing them at one point with Arteta all I want to say I guess is who knows if Arteta is going to be a world-class manager and have the kind of impacts that Conte has and Tuchel at Chelsea but what we do know is he's shown signs of it. And during that December period, when we were just going at every single team, putting them on the back foot, we're pressing them. 
they're, they're looking scared. They don't know how to move the ball out of their back. And we have, and all of a sudden uh, with the Aubameyang situation, I don't know if we want to talk about that or not, but um, Lacazette coming in this team and just bringing all these attacking pieces, Emil Smith-Rowe on the left, Saka on the right, Odegaard underneath. He brings it all together, and all of a sudden we're playing beautiful football for a month. And uh, and we're playing we're playing good teams doing it too. So I just want to give Arteta his props. I know I've spoken harshly about him in the past, but I do want to say I'm trusting the process. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> and I'm here to stay, man. I, I really... Even through your semi-annual ass whooping, you're uh, you're supporting Arteta. I mean, there's you know. a big, big difference between results and performances, right? And there were times when our Arsenal weren't getting the results. There were times we were getting the results, but it was one zero against Burnley or whatever else, right? All of a sudden, we're putting up like four goals a game for like a good two week period. And we're just smoking teams, bro. Like it's insane, and it's it's starting to look like city light, if you know what I mean. Like it's starting to have that. You see the Pep influence in the team, and the Arteta style of play. Um, There's like an interesting idea of a press that's starting to form for you guys that I think is starting to look very interesting. You guys, I, I like your attacking personnel. I like the fact that. You know what? Okay, I have a couple things to admit when it comes to Arteta, and then I'm gonna have to gloat about our game. But yeah, yeah, yeah. first things first, I thought the Aubameyang thing was gonna affect the team a lot more than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wrong about that, and it also looks like Arteta actually does kind of have um, a way with certain young players, Saka and Martin Martinelli and Emil Smith Rowe come to mind particularly. He hundred percent does, bro. Yeah. But even Gabriel, he's a young guy, especially for a center back. Ben White, he's young. Kieran Tierney, Tierney is rounding into, well, should be rounding into his prime in terms of his mm-hmm. age for fullback. Arsenal are like low key. Arteta has taken Arsenal back to like its youthful kind of image, I guess, or like ethos. But in a way, when you guys were in your own arsenal kind of way but i don't know arsenal style is kind of changing right like it's modernizing it's going away from that bait like not baby passing but almost like that barcelona type of style to like okay you guys are almost imprinting another club style on you on yourself if that makes sense yeah but again I mean, it's definitely not taking give you guys your props because you guys do have like your own like legit style and like there's there's actually like style and flair and like grit and determination and it's all from your young guys it's all from your forwards and it's kind of crazy i mean gabriel's back there going crazy but you like, start to I, see real patterns of play forming i think odegaard playing in that 10 role is huge for us and i and i remember saying end of last season i was like like if we want to be good next season we have to one get odegaard to get a center mid like those were the two things i said right he's a shiny player like he's a very sparkly player like he's almost like like an ozo light maybe where like every time he touches the ball like you kind of expect something dope to happen but i will say i don't really notice him like that like are you talking about watching you guys at game when you say that um 
I was say I would nah. I low key watched you guys like kind of when you were winning shit. Like I kind of was trying well, to pay when you attention. Were winning shit, Odegaard was going crazy, bro. He was getting like goals and assists every game. Like Man, he was putting okay, up the I, just wasn't... I was making a shout for him to get player or Premier League Player of the Month, bro, because he was going crazy. Okay, maybe I was just wasn't paying attention, but in general, I, don't know. I always notice Saka and like Martinelli whenever he's on. Like those are the guys that always have my eye for some reason. No, but in general, Odegaard, that is one of Odegaard's, like, criticisms, I guess, from at least Arsenal fans, is they're like, oh, he's not a goal-scoring midfielder. We need a goal-scoring midfielder, rah, 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 right? And so he doesn't always put up the stats, but he does get hot sometimes. And the things he does, the reliance he has for us when he's on the ball, I've been, I've been begging to get kind of towards this Liverpool game, right? I've been begging to see either Emil Smith Rowe or Martin Odegaard play next to Thomas Party or just as like a secondary CDM, right? In our 4-2-3-1. I want to see especially Odegaard pushed back a little deeper because him on the press, his work rate is immense. Mm-hmm. And then it's the reliability. Like a lot of Arsenal fans, myself included, think he was one of the better players for Arsenal in that Liverpool game. And yeah, he didn't yeah. necessarily do something flashy or like some crazy, you know, but it was always every time he got the ball control, like complete calmness. It's a yeah. Liverpool press for crying out loud, right? Like it's it's one of the most deadly presses. Whether you have Salah and I have Mane something to say not, about that. Nah, I have something to say about that, but we'll get to it. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, I just think he was the most reliable player on the pitch, and I think him and, and Martinelli were the two standouts. And man, Martinelli, it's that game. Like a lot of Arsenal didn't show up. Like they wanted to really be there for that Liverpool game, but he's Martin a tiger Lee at all times. Wanted nothing more than to hit the fucking net. And he's so fucking ballistic, man. He wants he wants every moment, and he cherishes every moment on that field. And we all love him for it. But but what, what were you gonna say, man? Let me let me hear it. Um, I like Martinelli. I really like Martinelli. Real quick, um, he's I he's ferocious. He just he gets after it. You know, like, you know, those, like, when it's, you always have those guys, like, when it's time to, like, get serious, like, you have those guys that's, like, always willing to step up and just, like, really get, like, get cracking, you know what I'm saying? And, like, Martin, you know, they, like, you know they live guys. and die for the game. Like, it's everything to them. Those are the kind of guys, because there's nothing wrong with being a professional football player. Like Martinelli wants and to you fight. like certain other things. I yeah, like but, that. But Martinelli is like, this is it for him. Like, this is his life. He wants bro. to score goals and he wants to fight dudes and he <laughs> wants to like get the ball. He off is, the bro. Dudes. Martinelli's and, a little like, bit. He's got a little bit of a dirty streak to him. I, I can't like even him. lie, bro. There was, I like him, Martinelli. I think it was. I oh like no, him. it was the first leg. It was the zero zero. There like, was the play where. Bro, I think it was Jota. Jota was on the floor, and Martinelli like turns like in, in our own eighteen, and he like turns and he just like pushes him, bro. Just pushes him right back on the floor, and just dribbles out with the ball. And I'm like, yo, like I'm screaming, like he just gave me uh, a pen, bro. But for those, nah, for, he's smart for, with it. For my for my people who are fans of South American football, Martinelli plays like he's Uruguayan. Like if that like if you know you know like that if that makes sense then it makes sense like he plays with such a chip on his shoulder like he's angry at everybody okay and I that's, see, yeah. and like I relate to it because like that's how like I was trash but like that's how I used to play like I used to, like, get the fuck out of my face like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> like you don't want it with me 
Like, but he's got that like, Brazilian flair to him too. But yeah, yeah that's the thing you notice is the aggression. The like, I'm going to put my head down and go. A little bit more is like people say that Saka would be perfect for Liverpool. Which I mean, that would be so right, bro. I'm out. Dope if we got him, <laughs> but I don't. I'm not. I'm not even entertaining that as reality. But I personally feel like I would have Gabriel Martinelli if Over. not for Diogo Jota. Oh my mm. god, Diogo Jota versus Arsenal is like I don't know. That's like that's like white on bread, honestly, bro. That's like. I don't know a duck in a pond. It's just yeah, like Diogo Jota like, constantly he, breaking my heart, man. That's what that is. It's he just, hates you, got like bro, something I about him. Love him, bro. <laughs> Since the Wolves, I've been obsessed with this guy. I'm like, I've never seen an eight player dude hit bro. so many headers. Like he's so good at headers. The timing, the direction. There's always something lethal too. But bro, you know what it was for me is that second goal. The timing of that run. Like the one that they were checking if it was offsides. At first, I was like, "It's offsides," and then I started Everyone looking at it more and more, that. and I was like, "Yo, that shit is clean, bro." I didn't even tweet nothing. I was just like, "Damn!" Like <laughs> my favorite part of that nice goal, goal. My favorite part of that goal was just that cushion, the cushion that he had to, to just lift it over, like actually just tuck that in the corner and just. Like, was it Trent that played that ball too? Like what a yeah, what a dime, Trent bro. had two assists, bro. Yeah, like he's. He's special, bro. He's he's a special the whole, player. But but you know what's crazy? The whole team didn't go crazy. The whole team wasn't being immaculate. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a stay on his ass if I have to, bro. Jordan Henderson took an entire half to get going, bro. Jordan Henderson is still a liability, dog. You don't know yeah. who one of the best players was for Liverpool on that night? Curtis Jones. Yep, My man is yep. like 21. Bro, yep. this man is... He was you know, amazing he was, in that game, bro. His positioning oh is very good. He's always available. He can pass. He can dribble. He loves he seems to love playing defense but he gets up in your face he will shake he has that little thing about him where like he will shake the boots off of somebody and he will just go past them but he don't even look like that type of dude you know what i'm saying like, and he'll do it he's not even like like i'm not gonna say he's like fast like fleet-footed or anything like that but he'll just sauce you and just get past you and then he has a shot on him he has a great final pass like Curtis Jones, I think two two years ago, scored his like two years ago, like had his debut for Liverpool, and he's already turning into like a reliable squad player, and he's he's exciting, bro. I can't lie, he I'm, is. I'm just, he really like, is. Cujo's like he's been doing his thing, but like now he's finally turning into the type of player who looks like he might actually be the one to replace Jordan Henderson, and like because Jordan Henderson like. The thing is, like, with with Hendo is like he has he he Loki still has like a lot of influence on the team, so he gets the ball a lot. And, I'm sure he does. Yeah, and but natural the, leader, man. But people also like teams also like target him like a mofo, and like that's kind of what he built his reputation off of. Was like everyone thought he was trash. Everyone thought he was slow. Everyone thought he, his positioning was horrible. But he proved that like nah, he's he's good at all those things. 
And, you know, he kind of started getting his rep off of that. But ever since he signed that stupid contract, <laughs> this man has been garbage. I'm telling you, every time a football player signs a crazy contract, they're garbage the next year. I don't understand why he keeps playing Jordan Henderson, bro. Like My, my own guy, Aubameyang, man, like, Mesut Ozil, like, especially Arteta props for, man. Like, he's really cleared house. He's not, I don't even think we're going to give Lacazette a deal, which Lacazette is arguably the thing that makes our team click right now. So that's like a scary situation to be in. It's like, but he's following this philosophy of, no, we're not going to keep giving out these contracts to these older players. We're looking to get younger. We're hopefully going to sign Vlahovic. We're not going to. Yeah, all right. (laughs) You, Um, You and Juventus. All right, go ahead. Nah, I mean, low-key, bro, I don't even really want him like that, but the potential's definitely there. There's I know, no denying I that. know who I want. I know there's a couple There's a couple players that I, I want, want for I want Calvert-Lewin, bro. No, That's bro, Ivan Tony, dog. Yeah, Ivan yeah. Tony. Like, we tore I feel Brentford like, I feel like apart. I can't even say that, though. Like, I feel like you have right up past his Ivan Tony. I'm telling you. That's been your guy. You know, I'd, I feel, I'd feel ashamed putting him on my short list because I know... I know it's the roots, man. Yeah, <laughs> bro, yeah, bro. That would that would like bring out a lot of the West Indian pride in me because he already he's already played a few games for Jamaica. I mean that I said West Indian pride, so th- that's okay. But <laughs> I'm not claiming to be Jamaican in any way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, just like he's he's such an incredible player, and he's really proving it in the league this year, I believe. Um, but yeah, no, going going back to the game, if I can. Diogo Jota was incredible. Cujo was incredible. Trent Alexander-Arnold was actually, like, looking really good, which is, you know, important after. He he was kind of off um, the last game, right? Like, he was definitely getting targeted. He looked vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Arsenal were getting him behind. Um, you guys were pressing him like crazy. His passes weren't even coming off properly. But, like, this game, he kind of reasserted himself. And... I think the the significance of this is that he did this at your guys' crib versus at Anfield where he kind of got, you know, he kind of, he didn't get like took or anything like that, but he kind of, he got rattled. And I think that's kind of like a big step forward for him because he kind of like, he'll, I mean, he's an incredible player. Don't get me wrong, but like he mainly shines at Anfield, you know, he mainly shines when he's at home and like he's, he's showing out for the folks, but for him to, to come to London or to, excuse me, to go to London and do that at your stadium and just be the main playmaker and kind of like cut inside. I love the underlap that he's doing now. Um, he's been doing this, especially like the last few months. Well, no, he's been doing it all season, but it's been getting really effective the last few months where he kind of like hits the underlap and then like they send, I don't know, Jordan Henderson, I guess, to go and like be that fifth guy mm-hmm. in the front line. And that just like opens up the rest of the field. What do you think was the difference in that game? Um, honestly, I think just the control of the midfield that we had. That's facts. Yeah, I mean Arsenal. First of all, let me let me say this actually. Like, full respect to Liverpool. They were 100 percent the better team, better coached. They deserve the win. Yeah, Arsenal were down to their bare bones, bro, and especially in the midfield. And we've been screaming for time how much we need a center mid, bro. I've been screaming since two summers ago that we need bro, a center mid. Not a center mid, a D mid. You just need a D mid. 
Okay, we need a D mid and a center mid. <laughs> we need, both. need a guy like, for the horse shit. Right now, Sambi, Albert Sambi Lakonga, 19-year-old, first year in the Prem, is our only registered senior first, like, available first center team mid center mid right now. Yeah. What was what was Arteta, what was um Party doing, bro? He was trying to get back on the plane. I don't. Uh, he was trying bro, to go back to watch. Party put out a bro. fat message afterwards, and you could tell like he was hurting. He was just like, man, like I'm so sorry. Like I blah blah blah. That's the kind of shit though I want to see though. Like that. Not Granite Jaka getting sent off all the time and just telling the fans to f off. And you can tell Party like cares deeply, and it's just one of those games. Like you, you get up for a f- you get out, you get off a flight, and your body's just not up for it, and. I mean, you're, you're, I don't know. It was kind yeah. of a dumb decision to play him in general, but I can understand, like, you need something to change because <laughs> that midfield was non-existent at times. Yeah. As much as I think Odegaard did good, but, like, it wasn't, I mean, you got to have support too, right? And Yeah. Lekongo yeah. Um, was, I thought Lukonga was all right defensively, but, yeah, not in a controlling ma- manner that Liverpool bossed the game with. Yeah, no, no. I th- I think the that's why I said Jordan Henderson took a half to to really get going because obviously his it took a while, but his experience definitely came through, and uh, Liverpool just started dominating. And that was the know. main difference, bro. Is uh, at the end of the day, like I know you're missing Salah, I know you're missing Mane, but you still had Fabinho, Van Dijk, like you had experience in that team, whereas we have we have our kids, and that's what we have. <laughs> we lost Joel Matip and Ibu Kanate still came out and still kind of dominated i mean he was he's still a kid you know but we lost joe matip we didn't have look man party came home early because afcon we're losing mana and saleh because afcon bro we might as well get into talking let me let me just let's just get into afcon real quick bro let's just segue right into afcon all right bro so afcon so as i've been uh as I've been going through life uh, this past month, one of the things I've really been taking solace in is watching as many AFCON games as possible. Um, I was really kind of annoyed at like the at like the European clubs' like um, attitude towards AFCON once it started came, came up and like it comes up every fucking year. But like this year, it just seemed like all the all the African players like kind of had it and they were like, "Yo, stop fucking talking about AFCON!" Like it's like some fucking it's some tedious shit. He's like, bro, like Saudi Omani was like, dog, stop asking me about this stuff. I would trade all my trophies for Liverpool just to win AFCON with Senegal, bro. Like, stop playing with me. It was just kind of dope. And I kind of started watching AFCON just because I wanted to watch New Who. Because, you know, I saw that he was starting or whatever. And so I, like, I caught the highlights and stuff. And New Who was, like, incredibly, like, he was all over the highlights and stuff. And um, I just kept, like, watching the highlights over and over and this is like one of the most it's like there's barely anybody there but like just based on like the on-field product this is like one of the most vibrant like diverse like ethnic like culturally like i feel like i'm learning new stuff about the continent of african countries all over it just by Mm -hmm. learn just by like watching people on the field and they're like it got, it's like the same effect that World Cup 2010 had on me. It's the same effect that I was just about to Euro say, bro. It's a little me, different. I'm just like, it's a little different because South Africa is obviously like different compared to the rest of Africa, but like culturally wise. But it had that same kind of impact where it's like all the surrounding cultures and colors and food and noises and everything. Like it's all coming together. And that was one of them. That was my favorite World Cup, bro. 2010 is goaded. It always will be, bro. 
so this is crazy, right? Because I'm seeing, I'm seeing like so many different shades of brown and black and like white. Like there's Arabs, there's super dark black people. There's like there's mixed folks all over. Like there's, it's crazy. Like you can like everybody looks different, and it's like being, I guess being, I don't know, being black in America, like black people look all all different types of stuff but like at the end of the day like culturally like they're still like black like african-american or you know like something american black american but like this is like an entire continent full of black people that just act different look different their names are different some people's names like some countries they're all their names are arabic all their some other countries all their names are like native other Mm -hmm. countries all their names are french like it's it's nuts it's completely like, different too. Like the people on the east side of Africa look completely different than the people on the west side of Africa. Like completely different. <laughs> bro, like it, no, I don't want to say who would have, but it's kind of crazy to look and watch a game that says, okay, this is Africa. And one country, like their names are French and like native mm-hmm. and the other country, like their names are Spanish and Portuguese. And you're like, what? And they look completely different from how these guys look. And some some countries get there and they're all tall and like slender and some of them are like short and you know what I'm saying? And it's like it's nuts because I don't know, Africa never is never like portrayed as like being culturally diverse here in America. Mm. So it kind of just like opens your mind a little bit more because like it, it shouldn't be this big of a deal but it kind of is for me and not just that like the colors bro like this is one this is the first international tournament i think i've ever seen where like i'm in love with most of the jerseys most of the colors most of the kits right. now you know now you know when you watch that like most like if it's an african country most likely they're gonna have green red and yellow in their kits like cameron's kits are incredible <laughs> Classic. um molly's kits are inc- like everybody's kits are on fire i love it i love the colors i love and honestly looking at like, a lot of the fans and stuff like that it kind of does take me back to world cup 2010 because there's a lot of the vuvuzelas um there's so many colors and some costumes and just people singing and dancing and flags everywhere and painting you know it's it it kind of it feels almost not really like a festival but it just feels like a celebration at the same time that i'm Man, watching you're getting me like hella excited football. to start diving into it more i I, I will admit, like, I haven't been able to catch much at all. Um, you know, last semester of school, we're almost out, but I mean, I got classes a lot of times during Let's these games. Let's get it. <laughs> Home stretch. But uh, yeah, bro, like, what I, I mean, I was keeping up with some of the Arsenal player highlights. I got a shout out to my boy, Nicolas Pepe. He's absolutely killing it over there at AFCON, bro. He's scoring some bangers. You know, he's making people remember who he is, bro. So I'm glad. These kind of these players have this platform to to remind the world just how great they are, bro. I've been saying, bro, Pepe is outrageous. Pepe doesn't play for Arsenal, but we don't have to get into that. Well, I was gonna say Ivory Coast is a lot weaker now than it used to be in the past. Like Ivory Coast had like a golden generation with like Colo and Didier Drogba and Yaya and any and like even Jovino and stuff. Jovino, bro. Like I feel like they always got wingers, bro. They always have wingers. Well, it's weird because now, like Ivory Coast, I mean, the only recognizable names really are, you could say, Frank Kessie and, of course, Nicola Pepe and 
pro- I'm probably what who search R E A as a point. Um yeah. but it's ironic. It's kind of crazy to me because I would have never guessed that Nicola Pepe would be one of the people kind of dragging Ivory Coast like up through stuff. And it's I guess that's another aspect of AFCON that I'm really coming to appreciate. You can see the narrative shifting. Like this is a this is a big tournament in a different way. Like you can see narrative shifting. Ghana was one of the most lethal African teams for what the last 20 years got knocked out by a tiny, tiny island nation at the exact same time that their worst rivals in the world, Nigeria. Ghana was like, favored, weren't they? Weren't they like one of the favorites to win Ghana's it all, all going they, into it? Ghana's always one of the favorites. Ghana's been sick. I mean, they they knocked out the USA in like two straight tournaments, and I think the USA finally did them in in the last one. But they've always been lethal. And Nigeria, like Nigeria owned the 90s, but like, and they had like, even had like this legendary youth team um, in the 2000s or whatever, but they never got it together internationally. But somehow, some way, Nigeria is like efficient. Like they're not looking incredible, but they're, they're being efficient. Um, same thing goes for Northern Africa. The two giants, Algeria and Egypt, Egypt has been on a downward swing for a fat minute. And Algeria's just been winning. Algeria's won, what, two AFCONs? I don't know when they last won the last one, but it's been pretty recent. And Algeria's all, again, just like Ghana, one of the favorites. And they are, I think they're out already. Like, they got knocked out, and that's crazy because Algeria's been at the last couple World Cups, like, showing out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, man. Cameroon was on a downward swing and i like because of new who i'm watching them and i like how they play i actually legitimately like them i think i think they could go far um senegal like senegal is probably one of the most boring teams in terms of like scoring goals but i think senegal is like a hidden gem in terms of their defensive ability like there's all types of like i think everyone thinks afcon is like rough and tumble um sprint this way sprint that way but no this is like tactical like stuff like stuff like this like looks incredible like the tactics are 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 like like so different that like it's it's kind of mind-blowing um yeah the soccer kind of doesn't really come off in the same way (laughs) like it's not necessarily the best quality in the world but like looking like going back to senegal like they are probably like a, one of the best examples of a defensive team, internet like a defensive international team that I've seen in a while. Like everyone always wants to talk about Italy in terms of defense, or like I don't know Brazil. Brazil's defense has been like pretty good in the last few years, but like these guys play good ass defense, man. Like it, it's there's a lot of hidden gems. So I feel like Avcon is definitely a tournament that people need to check out. I feel like you're gonna find all types of different styles when you watch them i think you're gonna find like you're gonna find a, a kit that you love to look at as long as you like red or green you're gonna find something even if you like blue if you like brazil gabon is there like i i don't know man i'm definitely gabon, falling in love with this man. tournament bro yeah you i mean controversy with them with the bombing yeah. and and the, i forgot the other guy but they were saying, I don't even remember what they were saying. They were complaining about pay or something. I don't even know. It's a whole mess. There there probably are a lot of po- political issues, huh, going on at the AFCON, too. There, yeah, there Internally are. Internally with the programs. But, uh, that whole thing's ridiculous, bro. I think, I mean, it's a 
privilege to play for your country. That shit should just be free. Like you just want to do that. Honestly, honestly, I I don't know, man. Now it's kind of becoming like some like an issue to me that Afcon isn't really available to watch like that. Like it's on being sport, but. I don't know, man. It's just a completely different vibe, bro. It's like football on vacation. Football's become <laughs> so corporate and right. like just shoved down our throats. And it's just like so like fake. Like I don't want to say fake, but it's in our faces all the time. It's it's monetized. Everything's money, 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 money. No, it does. It does feel it exists fake. to like, make money now. I get what you mean, though, because I mean, I, I think Hugh Wizzy kind of talked about this a little bit, too, and it's he i think he's talking about the nfl right and he was saying it's not a it's not a football league anymore it's a entertainment or it's, a, it's sports entertainment that's what he yeah was saying. it's yeah. sports entertainment and that's very much what europe has become american sports has always been that way so that, i mean yeah it's not like that but like europe in particular because europe grew up on these roots of like it's it's all about history the, it's all about the, the history the people the city at. the town the culture they bring to the team but yeah, I mean, it is kind of disgusting the more and more we go through this new money era of football and stuff gets just keeps getting pushed in your face, especially as an Arsenal fan. It's like, oh, we have this new kit we're going to drop or we, we're going to target this player and this player and what can we do to them? Well, we have this HBO Max series coming out now or Amazon series and yeah. you kind of lose sight of the real core of, you know, like for me, it's like playing on the beaches of india like randomly like random people come up and then we'll we'll just start a game when i go yeah. to visit my family over there like that's what the game's about and it, to me it sounds like afcon's kind of bringing those feelings back for you so i'm excited bro you're getting me excited like i want to go yeah, watch bro it's afcon now bro. you're it's, right no nah, bro you're right um it's it, it definitely is bringing those feelings back for me um i think like i said probably the first tournament since what world cup 2018 that i feel like there's a tournament that kind of captured the essence of of just like what international football kind of is and like even though obviously every bit of football is kind of like corrupt and like you know inundated with money i at least i think the advantage that international football will always have is that it will almost always feel like more more pure if that makes sense mm -hmm. the euros have kind of lost that in the most recent years for me like they even that is like around the clock but like I would it agree, seems yeah. as though afcon 22 has like captured that kind of joy that has been you know kind of been missing um recently but no man talking about commodities talking about football getting infested with money and billionaires and stuff um let's uh let's i know you wanted to talk about a uh, kashogi fc <laughs> oh man oh yeah i mean Excuse money's me, talks, newcastle. Right? yeah newcastle for those who are not aware man money Mama, fc man where do we start i guess like it's just it's just kind of crazy to see like obviously newcastle is never going to sign mbappe or anything like that but there's some schemers over there because they're looking at Burnley, who are their relegation rivals, because Newcastle still aren't clear. They're still in threat <laughs> of getting relegated. But what do they do? They go take the the next guy down's best striker, and they throw 25 mil for him, bro. 
<laughs> and in no world is wood worth 25 mil, bro. But I mean, I, it's pretty impressive what they've been doing, like getting uh, Trippier signed up now. And I don't know. I feel like they're going to. I feel like we're starting to see more signs. I mean, they better hope so. But even if that's all they do, I don't know. I think they've helped themselves out a lot. Just, I don't know. They really needed a striker, bro. They weren't getting any goals. They were lying on St. Maximin way too much to do his little ISO ball, (laughs) Um, which is beautiful and fun to watch. Don't get me wrong, but that's not sustainable. Miguel Almiron has not gelled at all in that team, and it doesn't bode. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing for MLS, but I'm not really worried about that. Miguel Almiron, though, like because he came from MLS, I, I was kind of attached to him being on that mm-hmm. team but now that i my man is a headless chicken at this point it's it's kind of sad to see i don't know man i don't, I don't know if newcastle is gonna survive this season you think they well, what if they get i'm thinking like what if they get like winaldum or someone on loan for six months to finish out the season all of a sudden they're looking kind of dangerous not dangerous but like they're gonna be good for they're gonna they be got avoid nine relegation. Days at this point however many yeah. days until the end of january and money talks that, man bro. Like go Chris Wood going for twenty five mil, thirty years old. Dude hasn't. I don't know how. What's he? I don't even know what he's at. Like, what? What's the point of that? Is that is that to to weaken? Who, yeah, Burnley? you weaken Burnley. Burnley essentially by selling well, this guy because he he's Burnley, been their best yeah. player for a while. Essentially by selling this guy, they've accepted defeat and they've accepted that. All right, we're gonna go down, which is kind of sad to see. I mean, a club like Burnley, twenty five million goes a long ways, right? And all these guys, and like in any other situation, they'd probably just be like, nah, like, get out of my face. We're not moving this guy. He's our only hope. But if a club can just give up on a season that easily, basically what I'm getting at, man, <laughs> this whole transfer market, this January transfer market, it's kind of insane how there's there has been such a lack of movement. And teams like Arsenal, who very desperately knew that they needed a center mid going into this stretch of games, they need another striker if they're going to banish a bombing or whatever the hell's going on with that. And they can't get these deals done, man. They're haggling over stuff. They're like, oh, maybe we'll go for Vlahovic. Maybe we'll go for Ollie Watkins. Maybe we'll go for Calvert-Lewin. And at the end of the day, I'm like, bro, we need someone in right now. And that's a big reason why we, we couldn't even put out a fully healthy team against Liverpool. And, uh, there haven't been like any rumors for like anybody and almost like Liverpool. Well, there haven't been any. Well, obviously not us. We, we're we're broke, baby. Um, for Arsenal, for you guys, for a, for a lot of teams. Honestly, the only teams for that us really, there's been. But that's the thing about Arsenal is there's always rumors, bro. Well, but and then these, United these, is connected players that's connected to you guys and like. Chelsea is long players connected to you guys. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like dudes with more money. No, no, no. no, Because there are these long drawn out transfer negotiations. Like Bruno Guimaraes, the uh, Brazilian for Leon, right? That's Mm -hmm. someone we've been linked to all window. Dusan Vlahovic, we've been linked to him all window. Yeah, we've been been linked to all window. Bro, we've been linked to this fire ass striker named uh, Luis Diaz. In uh, what what Porto? He's he plays in Portugal mm. somewhere. I think it's for Porto. Oh, bro, he's sick. He's nasty. But we know Liverpool's oh, not, not going to spend money. Yeah, Arsenal has a track. We're not getting at least to spend recently. 
And what are we doing, bro? We're just waiting around. When when a team like Newcastle can, they can show you, bro. They'll be like, hey, moves to happen in the winter transfer window, bro. It's mostly just gossip. Because literally, because money talks, bro. And Arsenal have said multiple times, and they've shown it. They've put in a seventy million bid for Dusan Vlahovic. They're willing to spend the money. But I don't know. Did he say he was trying to go to y'all? That's the thing, bro, is he's... Apparently, it's like Florentina has agreed to turn. There's conflicting reports. Because on one end, people are saying the agent's blocking the move. He wants more money. On another side, they're saying he wants to... Uh, Vlahovic wants to go to Juve. On another side, they're saying he's agreed terms. Like, it, there's no clear information coming out. But it's just Fabrizio oh, so versus this guy versus this guy versus... It, it's all a mess, bro. And I'm, and me, I'm like, if he's not signing the deal right now, I'm like, if you giving him the money that he wants and he doesn't want to do it, what are we doing, bro? Go get the next guy. Go get Calvert Lewin in right now, bro. We need you these know, people. You know who's transfer activity? I'm actually really interested in. Like, sorry, but so I'm I'm really I'm I want to know who Spurs like if Spurs is actually going to back up Antonio Conte or not. Like, <coughs> that's, I always have that's the question, right? Shit, they're gonna be so, scary. If they get a, a I was out of this expectation that Antonio Conte was not gonna like Spurs like when he got there, he's not gonna like I mean he said it, the level of the team is not so high. Like he he said it shut up. He he's mm-hmm. not liking the team that he has. He said, Yo, I need reinforcements. We know that Antonio Conte wants the players that he likes, that he wants that fit his style and all that stuff. And I was expecting Antonio Conte to like at least want to like walk out by now because Spurs are so cheap, the squad is so thin, and they just have players who are like so middle of the pack, like beige. Like if if their play could be described as a color, it would be beige. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, bro. I feel the same way. Behold, but I, no, exactly. We we talked about this when they hired him, but lo and behold, the last few games, Spurs they can't. It's looking kind of dangerous, and not like dangerous, like Spurs dangerous, but like, yo, I'm like, I'm gonna take this game to you until that whistle blows. I don't know if you saw that Leicester game, but the score, those goals, a terrible day, the, man. They did. <laughs> that was a bad Bro, they, day. They turned like during that game, Spurs just looked different. Like they looked switched on in in a way that I don't think I've seen since maybe Pochettino when they got to <laughs> yeah. the final. You know. This is so this kind know. of leads into a conversation I've always wanted to have have with you. Um, because this is kind of when I was starting to really gain my trust in Arteta, and then we lost to Everton, who hadn't won in like ten games. And I was like, I'm done. Like, we can't lose these games. And and we had lost to United right before that. Everton. And I was like, we can't <laughs> we can't keep losing these games. Like we're we're in amazing form and all of a sudden it drops to nothing and we're losing to teams that can't even score in ten games. And I, I was just livid. And it made me have this conversation in my head, which we never actually got to do because we took the break. But I'm starting to kind of understand more the really like the significance of a world class manager. Because before I'd be like, I used to probably believe that if you had like obviously couldn't have an average manager, but you'd have to have a good manager and amazing players, then you can go as far as you'd like. But I'm starting to be under the impression that the manager is the most important thing in a football club success. And especially you being a Liverpool fan, Klopp, right? I mean, that's that. Oh, back to that question I was asking about the difference in that Arsenal game. That's what I thought it was, is I thought Klopp was just better. Like, you didn't have Salah, you didn't have Mane, 
But Liverpool just outplayed oh. us on every part of the pitch, pretty much. And I and you look at Antonio Conte. I I look at that Spurs team and I see bang average, bro. There is nobody on that team sheet that stands out to Milk me besides toast. Son and Kane, right? Like it's just if you take those two guys out, there's no. I I wouldn't take any player on that Spurs team on any other like big six. I don't think they'd make I any lineup. Take, I would I would I would take home and Son in a heartbeat. Do you, well, no, I'm saying minus Son and Kane. I don't think mm, there's anybody on a, any Spurs player that makes any of the big sixes, like starting <clears throat> lineups. Maybe United could use a center back. I don't know, but no, they that's the kind of the thing we're talking about. The ever good center backs outside of Ledley King, Yonder <laughs> Tongan, and Toby Alderweire were the only good center backs, and they, they just gave them away for a paperclip and some weed. I I don't know. And look what they're doing, bro. They're not conceding goals in like I don't even know how many games this it's is, been. But so this. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's weird because this is the Antonio Conte is already having an effect, but it's having an effect to the point where they, their entire mentality looks different. And it's like, I feel as though Conte might buy in. And so now I'm, I'm wondering is, yeah. because look, man, th- you're right. This whole thing about like a, a world-class manager, think about it. football has become much more system based at this point. Right now, it's about physicality, it's about speed, it's about a system. Triggers, pressing, counter-pressing, it's tactics, it's it's a system. Players fit a system, and that system brings out their best attributes and conceals their worst. In Mm -hmm. order to play that system, you need a manager. You need someone who can play the game. You need someone who can understand what tactics to use when, who can switch this, can switch that, if necessary, who can bring on this guy, bring on that guy. If not, you know what I'm saying? You need someone who can just as important as all of that. Play the game. The preparation. When you look at that Arsenal team, they just didn't look up for it. And I don't know if it could be health, it could be whatever. But there are certain managers, like Klopp included, who, when it's game time, everybody on that pitch is their game ready. They got the right mentality, they got the right mm-hmm. fitness, and they're going to go. And if they're not, he's going to yank you about, off in the 30th minute. So, football, like, is, football is about these world-class managers at this point. They, they create the system. The system is made for is made under their watch. They get the players. They recruit the certain players. And this is why Antonio Conte, like, he's one of those guys. Antonio Conte is special. He hasn't even recruited yet, and he's, he's already special. having them moving like this. He's special. Like, ev- like He's always proven it no matter where he's gone. He might not be able to i don't know what is it he can't win a cup but he can he will win you the fucking league you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like he's special like that but he's he's a Ter- terrible in europe commands. but yeah he get him a league. yeah he can't win a cup but he can win a league he has his demands he has his players he knows what he can do but he has to have the players to do it He's almost like a he's almost like a early Jose Mourinho in that in that mm-hmm. he wants these guys and I need them now. Shut the Jose fuck up. Jose with flair. And, you know what I'm saying? With flair. <laughs> but that's the thing. Spurs are that type of team where like you know, like 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 teams represent like their their manager's personality in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like Tugel, he's so yeah. high strung. And he's such a perfectionist that when the smallest thing is off, he just goes crazy and he alienates his whole team. And right now, Chelsea can't even score. Like, you know, Chelsea can barely score a goal to save their life. You feel me? I mean, mm-hmm. unless it's against Tottenham or Arsenal. But, um, but yeah, so I think with Conte, it would be interesting because Conte doesn't play that, that, that shit about not getting recruitment. 
he left Inter Milan because they're literally not going to recruit. They're, they're selling, not buying, literally. The <laughs> only way Spurs would have been able to get Antonio Conte was if they said, hey, we will buy these players. Like, look at the money. If I was Antonio Conte and Spurs, with their reputation, wanted to hire me, I would have had them walk in with, like, 10 suitcases full of just hundred just bills money just to show me that they actually have money because these guys have been so spendthrift and so scared to to spend any money in the last however many years they drove off pochettino because of that pochettino couldn't like you have to have revolution like I'm sorry. I'm about to get into a whole rant about FSG. It's just giving me trauma. <laughs> no, I have, no, no, no. Don't I have do to that. quit. Do I have to quit. I have to okay, quit. Okay, but here's what I... Yeah, I mean, so here's what I want to say, though, too, is I think it was... I just think it was a really cool, like, epiphany, I guess, for me. And obviously, it sounds so simple and basic. Like, yeah, football's tactical, so you need smart minds to run the ship, right? But to me, it was like... I've been so consumed by this idea of we live in Moneyball era all like all it takes is money to win blah 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 right so it kind of like gives you that hope again that you know there is a little bit of just the game that's left and even and the two go hand in hand like you can't have a world-class manager with zero investment and not win but a world-class manager with less investment can still win you know so i i don't know to me it was just kind of Nice to realize that. I don't know if we want to keep going down this rabbit hole because no, we can't. I mean, I mean, well, Klopp is living proof, bro. That sometimes the manager is the biggest difference. That's why I appreciate Leicester. That's why I appreciate Liverpool. That's why I appreciate even teams right now like West Ham and last last and last teams who kind of seem to be doing it quotation marks properly, but only in the sense that they're growing the clubs organically and they're rising mm-hmm. organically versus just huge money dumps you know buying yeah. the next super team and when you look at city's um, dominance yeah a big part of it is the money but i think the bigger part is pep you know so it's bro that they backing those world class they buy and meet the league under our nose and our, no one even realized it until this season. You know what's crazy though is nobody cares. Like it's just everybody, nobody cares. Everybody's like City, I don't know City's won the league that cares that. about City. We're, we're, the real competition is second, third, fourth. Like everybody I don't know I'm anyone so that's in top actually four right angry. now. It's exciting. Yeah, bro. I don't know anybody that's angry about City winning. I don't know anybody that like likes it or really I tell you what, bro. After the City game City's in the final. After the Arsenal oh. City game, I've lost all respect for City fans, man. They're they're just all oh, the refs <laughs> made all the right calls. The ref- go and do yourself a favor. Watch the highlights of that. You know what? The highlights probably won't even show it, but go ahead and watch them anyway. The amount of just pull down, grab your jersey, yank you on a fast break fouls that Rodri did, and then Rob Holding comes on and first foul is booked, second foul, everybody's getting yellow cards. It's bullshit, bro. And, and yeah, City right. fans are right when you said all of the Manchester City players like posted themselves like like Griezmann and Arsenal players son like after that game on social media. But they were feeling I, themselves, I bro. Every single that shit is hilarious. You no, know what it's like? Up. It's like City fans were promotion. like, "Oh, this was the biggest win. This was such a great win." I'm like, bro. Pep said in the interview himself that we were not the better team today. Blah blah blah. Like you guys are have the, a little humility. Better easiest target because you're so emotional and like you guys 
get like so vocal about how angry you are or whatever. So of course the the people who are like it's ten years of built up anger, bro. <laughs> you can't be mad at still looking for like an emotional rival. I I think they've kind of sucked you guys out as like their target because yeah, they do have a history on you guys, you know, and like you guys and are you know kind what the history of is it's the fucking Arteta and Pelham. That's their that's what they're basing it on. You guys are kind of the only ones that pay attention to them. Hint, and you guys have big enough. I used to look at City as like a second team in terms of I could always go and watch City if Arsenal are fucking up and making like at least I can go watch City and watch some good football and like and just enjoy like no pressure, no no stake in the yeah. game, right? Yeah. But man, all that's gone. Fuck City, bro. I fucking hate City now, <laughs> dude. I'm so done with them, bro. For I'm really I'm really going. It's Arsenal and fuck everyone else. That's my mentality, bro. Since we want to start playing football again. We'll yeah. see though. We oh, okay. play early. So, uh, Hopefully, we can overcome. I'll say this about um, the difference between Arteta and Klopp and Conte. Also, his experience and like the level with which everyone else kind of started. Not everyone has like a sorry. Um, can't remember his first. <laughs> damn, he fell off the face of the earth. Anyways, not what everyone has a name. Sorry what is this first name? Started in like Syria B or whatever, right? But. Arteta kind of has the unfortunate reality of having to start his managerial career in the biggest spotlight on earth, you know? But that's so frustrating. That's why I wavered because it was like, at some point, we have an amazing young core of players. We need an Antonio Conte type guy, an established world class manager to get well, it right. Because if Arteta doesn't get it player. right, bro. If Arteta doesn't get it right, then next thing you know, players are going to want to leave. Different system, new coach, uncertainty. Bro, 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 Let me go relax. somewhere I know I'm going to win. Relax, you're freaking out. Look, what's the biggest issue with teams that have like hella young players? There's always consistency, right? From an outside point of view, I was going to say this a while ago, but from an outside point of view, your guys' consistency has gone from, like, game to game to, like, now you guys are having month-long stretches. Now you guys, your your young players are professionalizing. They're turning into professionals. So now your team is becoming more and more consistent time and time again. That That is a product of, one, a manager who was showing that he can actually blood young players. I thought he was horrible. He handled Gwendozi horrible, and I thought he handled a couple other players horribly. But I thought that was... That was the other thing I was wrong. I thought he was a horrible man manager, but he's clearly seemed to have brought the team together, right? But <laughs> at the same time, yeah, he's also ahead. a young manager. Mm-hmm. He, this is his however many years at this point, but yeah, he's still a youngster. Like I don't consider you like a like a ta- a proper professional manager unless you have like seven, eight years under your belt. And you just know what you're doing at this point. You have your own philosophy. But that's what I'm saying, bro. You're like, sussing stuff out. Like, you guys are finally teasing out a style out of there. You guys are finally, you know, putting together some consistency. Now the, now the sandcastle is actually staying together for a little bit longer. Each time, you're kind of getting those guys out of there. You know, you're rooting out the older guys. Right. I, I think Arteta could probably do well with, like, recruiting veterans. I think you guys are on the up. Like it's just from an outside I mean, point of view. That's the next step. That's the next. You guys step. are getting more consistent for longer. That the veteran thing is the next step, and that's and but that comes with Europe, and you got to make Europe. And I don't know. To me, I don't want to make it sound like I'm panicking. I'm not. Like I said, trust the process. I'm all in on Arteta again. 
And I, I, I want to, like, I'm going to be, I'm really all in, bro. Like, the last stretch of games, the City game was a big one. And I was like, I can finally see kind of where we're headed fully. Like, I get the clear picture finally. So I'm willing to give it some time now. It's ironic I'm not going to question it. Versus City themselves. And you guys kind of out-cityed City at City. You know? Well, they didn't have, they didn't have a shot on goal in the first half. I don't even, I think they had like one shot. It was ridiculous. Like we just dominated them for the whole 45, just had them on the back foot. They couldn't pass. They couldn't pass it out of the, their own half. And I see, and I'm uh, like, okay, 45. so I can see it. My only criticism is the inexperience. We, I mean, this could be an experienced manager instead of him right now. And we could be contending in like a year or two with a couple well, of right additions if it's point? a world-class manager I like, oh i wanted i like wanted a, conte in the summer in this last summer i wanted conte but okay but he's he's taken so if you get rid of our tata right now who would you bring in bro i don't think zidane Zidane is gonna work at arsenal yeah i don't, I I mean, don't see well, somehow i don't see those clicking well yeah i mean my point is i'm I, i'm i'm on board though so uh, let's see where Arteta goes. I'm, right, I'm fine with it. But... Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, talking about Liverpool real quick, bro. Yeah. Bro, we are in the final versus versus the guys who I think are like our real, actual, like like flesh and blood rivals. Like, yo, Chelsea in my eyes is very close to taking the place of. Manchester United, or at least equaling them in terms of just like hatred. <laughs> like, why you say it like especially, that? Especially <laughs> when we play, just, like, just obviously, like, there's that history. Like, this was, and bro, this was back before, like, I was even a Liverpool fan when I was just watching Liverpool for the banter. Like, of course, you know, Liverpool slip, all that stuff, and like, you know, Chelsea, original troll club, number one number one troll club gotta fight everybody but it's like liverpool and chelsea just like bring out the best in each other and that they just want to beat the shit out of each other and this is for a cup it don't matter how fucking small that cup is bro this shit could be the size of a teacup dude i liverpool i hate chelsea, that let me just, let me say five that bro. fucking pieces out of each other bro i hate how people like I hate how people belittle the cup competitions, bro. At the end of the day, a trophy is a trophy. And for a lot of teams... Cup competitions are fun as fuck. Dude, they're hella fun. And at the end of the day, bro, a lot of teams, especially in the Premier League, would measure a season as a failure if they don't win a trophy. You know? So these trophies do matter. You're not going to win Champions League every year. You're not going to win the league every year. But these are the things that keep the fans happy, keep the spirits up. You know? These are the memories that people make. And if you get to watch... Liverpool beat Chelsea's ass and lift that cup, bro. You're gonna remember that for like I don't even know decades. It's like it's yeah, honestly, I'm gonna be like, yo, remember when Liverpool won the Caribbean Cup versus Chelsea? Oh yeah, bro, I'm I remember the exact year. You know, what I'm saying I mean, it's I'm a Caribbean Cup. Yeah, that's the official name. What you mean? I'm taking full advantage. That's the Caricom Cup. But honestly, I would I would just love it. You know what it is? It, a lot of the times, it's just another chance to just when you when you meet up with somebody that you don't like, or you meet up with like another Premier League opponent, it's just like a perfect chance to just like really show who you are. You know right. what I'm saying? 
These are the real tests this, for you guys. So you guys can get out of second test. gear for this game. I'll say this. Liverpool look good enough to the point where I don't think, obviously, I don't think we're, we can win the Premier League, but I honestly think, I honestly think Liverpool can win the Champions League. That's another thing about Liverpool that I think I've always liked. Like, as I like read about their history, they always said like since the 60s, they were always better in Europe than they were in England. And it like, yeah. even I mean, when they very won, clearly, Hello, they have struggled in England Hello. historically, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, um, but like, I feel like we can win the Champions League, and honestly, in all honesty, I feel like we can beat Chelsea in this cup. And if we can beat Chelsea in this cup, we can definitely. I honestly think we can we can win the Champions League. I know I'm not gonna say like it's equivalent, but I feel like if we can find a way to beat Chelsea to win this like cup. Like we can put we can put it all together and kind of put like a stretch run together and do the same thing and find a way to to win against teams in the Champions League, Champions League. because like the likelihood of you playing like a super hard fucking team in the Champions League like we played a bunch already this year but the likelihood of you playing like someone who's actually gonna like has a possibility of winning is really low until like maybe the quarterfinals semifinals you know what I'm saying so. Semi-finals, every game is hard, yeah. But quarterfinals, yeah. I just, I just want to thump Chelsea and let that influence our Champions League run. I I'd love to weird. see it, man. I'd love to see it. I do have a soft spot for Liverpool because I love, I love to see a club that doesn't just throw money at the problem and. Yeah, actually, I wish and, we fucking to would, fall, bro. Almost to a we fault, have, but <laughs> we have the fucking money, bro. I'm telling you, these guys are trying to be like Spurs plus, bro. I don't understand, dog. These guys have money, bro. We can have, we can have Chris Christopher Nkunku. We could have Ivan Tony. We could have, I. There's like a, a wealth of central midfielders. I feel like Liverpool can afford. You know why? Because we have that one cornerstone defensive midfielder that will always hold us down. Knows his job. I'm telling you, Arsenal need a defensive midfielder. I'm sorry, I'm starting to rant now. <laughs> get Axel if you have to, bro. Uh, give get me, Dennis give me, give me, yeah, give me Dennis. Give me Dennis Zakaria, bro. Seriously, fuck. Um, Basuma, even. I, don't I want Basuma, bro. bro. I got into this Twitter rant with this guy. Uh, not Twitter you rant. Know, it was a very civil conversation. Talk. But he brought up like Basuma might be going to jail or something, and I was like, hold on, like oh, yeah. breaks. I got arrested. For I, shit, I totally forgot about that situation, but. Um, yeah, I don't know, bro. I, I, we got to find somebody for sure. I'm so sick of watching Granite Xhaka every week, bro. I can't do it. It's so bad for my health. <laughs> like it's. Oh, he's just. Oh, let me is, let me. I know we've been running on for a while here, but let me let me bring up one last topic for us because we got to talk yeah. about it. What the hell is going on with Sala, bro? <laughs> <laughs> with this contract negotiation, bro, you men are acting like you're not going to pay him whatever he wants. <laughs> he wants. I feel like he not only does he want the guap, he wants he wants like the. Assurance. He deserves every. He deserves every cent, though. Like, well, he believes in himself. It's I mean, kind of absurd, bro. Salah doesn't. Does he not even make two hundred k a week? I'm pretty sure. Like, he's on some crazy low wages for what he is. You know, so I don't bro, think there's anybody Liverpool, on Liverpool that cracks. At least three hundred thousand a week. Liverpool is weird as f- no, they don't. Well, no. there's nobody but that makes three hundred plus on Liverpool, bro. 
Liverpool is weird as fuck because they they like broke their wage structure or their how do I say this? They broke their policy for Jordan Henderson, right? They let Jenny Wijnaldum go because he was thirty, and they was only going to extend him for a year. They're trying to be like Chelsea. These guys gave Jordan Henderson. Who was already showing signs, showing signs of slowing down at the end of last season. They gave this man a four-year contract, or however long, until he's like age 35 and above. This man is already old and creaking this season. And they're stalling on a Mohamed Salah contract. If That's there's ridiculous. A player, <laughs> if there's a player on planet Earth that you break your wage structure for Mohamed Salah is that player he has taken the mantle from Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi in terms of the most in form on fire best player in the world right now like untouchable unstoppable Specs. he is number one that right, is now. Salah no, de- right no now no denying it but Liverpool is so fucking weird. And Christy, Christy's over on 500k a week over at United. Salah's oh. looking at that like I don't even make 300 what's up so oh, no it, no Mm, no one's really looking at Manchester United as like an example for anything these days. You know what I'm saying? Anything <laughs> smart these days. I suppose, I suppose, but I mean, it's just it's any club. I mean, what Lukaku? I don't even know what Lukaku's making, but even I'm sure with all the signing bonuses and shit that he's getting okay. on that transfer fee, like all these players are getting bagged up, and Salah's over here with his hands outstretched, like where's where's my share, right? So. It's it's I don't know it's mind boggling. You better pay him every every single cent. But the other thing is, there's no way that Liverpool lets go of Mohamed Salah. I, I'll that's say what that I was right gonna now. say, bro. I'll but say that's that the right model. Now. That's the model, right? Like they that's how go. you that's how you created this. You got rid of Coutinho, right? And then you created this this amazing no, they generation. Sold Coutinho, right? They sold him because they realized and okay, he cashed well, out. This is gonna be the guy we cash out on. You don't cash out on Mohamed Salah. You keep him. Yeah, I say I say sign him to a, mm, a four year contract. Get but the say next you sign say the signing of Salah for whatever um, like incredible wages he wants because he deserves it. That yeah. is suddenly your twenty, your thirty million dollar signing you're doing every summer. That's suddenly that's the money. That's him. He's the signing now. You know, would you take that well, or would you take cash out on Salah? Huh? We're already not signing anybody, bro. We we're already not signing anybody. We already. So would you do that, or would you take? Would you take the hundred plus fucking contract extension? We signed Jordan Henderson to a long ass contract extension, right. extension for no fucking reason. These guys buy one guy a year. After would, so would you two, do that, or would you then cash out, get the hundred plus mil for Salah, no. and then no. you you rinse repeat? No. This is the cycle. This is how it's sustainable, no. right? This is how it works. No. No. <laughs> No, all right, all right. that's like that's yeah, like no, selling. No, I, mean, I, I, I see both sides. I don't know how Liverpool like goes forward. Though. I don't Ronaldo. know how they. I don't know how they strengthen their squad and continue this, this is level. Like selling Robert without... Lewandowski, bro. I don't know what it's gonna take, but at this point, it sucks to say this because I feel like I feel like as a like Liverpool fans have a mentality of like this really defeatist mentality because it took long to win a fucking Premier League, right? And like they've just been making bad decisions, not the bad decision for how many years. So they're they're almost like Spurs in that they're like expect to expect to get knocked down at some point. Except for Spurs that happens before they win anything. And it seems as though like 
as, as like a whole Liverpool fans, I've kind of accepted that um, Jurgen Klopp is going to leave in 2024 and FSG and Liverpool fans are going to regret everything because they only won one set of anything. I've seen Jürgen that. Klopp. I've they seen that opinion a lot. One yeah. Champions League. They only won one Premier League. They only won what? If we can win the Caribbean Cup, then okay. What, they only won one League Cup. I still don't think we won the FA Cup. You know what I'm saying? They won one World Cup. Like we won everything, but we won it once. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like with this group of players, with this system, with with the way this football meta is right now, that just physic that just favors physical play and system based teams. Except for Real Madrid, like it's, it, they're gonna regret it. You have, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. Just yeah. like if Spurs don't back up Conte. Yeah, I mean, good luck, good luck finding someone to replace Klopp, man. <laughs> like that, that's. Then all of a sudden, you're in an Arsenal situation, bro. You, you're probably gonna sign. You're probably gonna get Gerard. You're probably gonna Arsenal ride with situation. Gerard. Gerard looks good but too, but you're probably gonna get Gerard. Arsene, at least Arsene Wenger was supported by Arsenal like the first five, six years of his Arsenal tenure. Right. Oh no, up until they had to pay for the stadium. First decade of his Arsenal tenure, bro. At least he got supported like a motherfucker through all of that. Klopp has been on a shoestring budget since the jump, bro. They Even have Arteta, not supported bro. this man, dog. That's another Since reason why. I'm, that's another reason why I can get behind the Arteta thing because clearly Arsenal, the board, support him. Clearly, oh, they're willing to invest. Shut up! You're making me <laughs> angry, bro. I'm actually all right. pissed. All right, all right. So Vin's Vin's all hot right stuff. now. So we well, we're not trying to make like a two-hour episode here. I just had to get I had to get the solid take. I want to see if I get any spicy headlines, but he's sticking with he's sticking with his man, rightfully so. It makes sense. He's uh, the best in the world, right? At what he does. So, with that being said, I think we should call this one a wrap. It's just starting sir. to get back into the swing of things. I don't even. What are we on? Bro? What, is yeah, episode, what is this episode? What is this episode twenty three or 22? something? Twenty three? Something? I don't know. So. It'll be in the description, but um. Yeah, the Rabona boys are back for season two, bro. I'm excited. Interact with us on social one. media. We talk a lot of shit on Twitter, so yeah. Come get yeah, that smoke, please. Damn, we get emotional on, <laughs> Damn, <get> emotional <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, all right, y'all. It's us signing out. Yep. Later.